We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to BuzzBeat. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian today. We are going to do something very similar to what we've done in the past with those film-finding episodes. I might call this Film Rewind, where we take a look at one Hornets player and look at one of his better performances of the season. And we're going to start with Terry Rozier against the Milwaukee Bucks back in January, where he scored a season-high 39 points on the road. Before we get into this one, Brian, how's everything going with you? And do you remember this game at all, or did it take a couple of highlights for you to kind of you know, bring these memories back? Um, I'm doing okay. The last few weeks have been... <laughs> uh, they, they've been just like not... They've been, they've been a little up and down just for non-basketball reasons, but... I'm doing all right. And you know what? No, I don't. I like only vaguely remember this game because of just, it was probably the Hornets, but like most efficient or one of their most efficient offensive performances of the season. I did not remember like Rozier having going off this game. I just remembered it. It was weird. Like the memories I had of it were like PJ sending Giannis possessions on it. And it, and it being like a rare Cody Martin game. And, um, like a good LaMelo game too. Like LaMelo hit some ridiculous shots in this game. But so no, did you have any, like, how did you pick, how'd you unearth this? Uh, because this was Richie's suggestion to, to the audience. He, he hit me with this the other day and I was like, yeah, let's do it. But how did you, did you just go to like Rozier's basketball reference page and, uh, sort, you know, by a uh-huh. high scoring game and just go from there? That's exactly what I did, and I the reason I chose Rozier is I feel like I've we've like neglected him a little bit over the offseason. We really haven't. I really, talked to him. I really think he cut like even after he, you know, it was like a twenty point per game score. We really like didn't. I don't know. We didn't talk about him a ton this past season. I fe- I felt like he, he, they're in a weird spot with him seemingly, and like even I was pulling up contract details for him and just you know sort of reminding myself that they owe him. 74 million dollars over the next three years too uh but yeah it's a interesting spot for rosier and you know if if things don't go great with with the lakina the the most recent signing i, mean, I could see terry being thrust into a, a very similar role 
that he had this past season. Um, and I guess even parts of two seasons ago too, really having to like be a backup sort of like engine of offense with the second unit. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into this. And this episode won't feel too dissimilar to those film finding ones that we've done, uh, but this will be less time intensive and not as detailed. We will look at, like I said, the performance of Terry Rozier, as I mentioned prior against the Milwaukee Bucks. We will look at offensive plays only, break down some of the actions that we see, how he and his teammates set up the points. Some of these plays will be less involved than others, not as intricate, but that's just you know how it always is with basketball. Some players just go out and make plays. It's not always about the X's and O's. And then having said that, we will do our best to illustrate the plays, but there is a video component to this for our BuzzBeat Plus subscribers. That video was already in your inbox this morning. Uh, for the rest of you guys, that premiere will be on YouTube on Thursday, August 17th at 11 a.m. So that's the housekeeping stuff. Uh, let's get into these clips. The Hornets won this game 138-109 on the road. Rozier finished with 39 points with actually only one of those points coming in the fourth quarter. This was a blowout. Uh, 9 of 14 from 2, 6 of 15 from 3, 4 assists, 2 rebounds, and 1 steal. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up the first clip. Hopefully I've got this clip pulled up correctly. And what we've got here is a transition play three on three with uh, Jalen McDaniels bringing the ball up the court. It's very early in the game. Uh, Hornets are down five, six is probably one of the few times they were actually uh, down in this game. And, and you see that Drew Holiday steps up on defense to stop the ball. And that leaves Lopez closest to Rozier on this possession and the pass that he receives. It's an awkward one. He's a little bit unbalanced on the sideline, but he does stay in. And so he gets the ball in the right wing, drives it in. He tries to create some room for himself, um, but he's giving up about a foot <laughs> right here uh, to Lopez. So it's going to take a lot for him to score. And we talked about this with Nick Smith Jr. On, on, on a previous episode where he used a very similar move where he did this like fake scoop shot that you see Rondo do a lot. And he's able to get just enough space before he hits this fadeaway over Lopez. And one thing that I didn't notice about in this game, um, I, I kind of listed off the two-point stats to begin with, but a lot of mid-range stuff from Rozier. I know he was good from behind the arc as well, but I just like the uh, the ability to kind of create enough space because of the height disadvantage he has here. Yeah, able to get a cross-match and transition. The Hornets did a nice job running in this game, and, and Rozier was the the beneficiary of a few of those trip transition or semi-transition possessions here. And like, by the time he gets going, you know, the Bucks have five guys back and are maxed up, but obviously they're cross-matched. They've got Pat Connaughton on Plumlee. Plumlee took advantage of some size mismatches he had in this game as well. If you had the visual component going, I think PJ Washington does a nice job of filling to the corner. Not like he sprints to the corner, but he still does a nice job filling to the corner that makes sure that Giannis can't pack into the paint and help Lopez here. He's got to sort of respect PJ's uh, spot-up shooting gravity in the uh, the corner where he's you know, a very good corner three-point shooter. And we can talk, we'll talk about this a little bit more, I think, when we when we look at some like true sort of like half-court possessions in this game. But the Bucks are an interesting team for both the Hornets, given some of the personnel and like Rozier in particular, I think the Bucks are maybe the sort of the most famous 
drop defense in the NBA, yeah. right? Like this is this has been their their DNA for several years now with Mike Budenholzer and and Brooke Lopez and and Giannis. And I think at least going back to their title year, they've shown a little bit more flexibility and they can, you know, they can move the lineups around with Giannis and Bobby Portis and they can get to some different um, schemes guarding ball screens and off screen actions or off ball actions. But for the most part, when they're in their base defense, it's drop. And with those drop concepts, the Ordens are able to open up a lot of catch and shoot opportunities for Terry Rozier. So by having, you know, whomever's playing center in this game, it was usually Plumlee or or Mark Williams. But other times it's been, you know, you know, Nick Richards or something like that. But when they set screens for Terry, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez is usually in the paint. And so he's able to, you know, come off catch and even even with good, even if it's someone like Drew Holiday or Javon Carter, like very good screen navigators he's still able to to curl or come off those screens and have room to get up shots. And, uh, you know, Terry, this was a down year for him efficiency-wise. We can talk about that. And there are some very, like, uh, obvious, you know, reasons that can that can explain for that. But when he gets high, you know, he's a tough he's a tough guy to match up with if you're, if you're going to sit and drop. And, and early in this game, I mean, the Hornets came out, you know, making jumpers. PJ, LaMelo, Rozier, and they got the Bucks out of their base defense before the first quarter even ended. So, um, and I'm sure we'll be able to get to that stuff a little bit more. But yeah, here, just Terry getting a cross match and using some of his sort of like, you know, funky shot making abilities to to get, uh, you know, like a fading hook shot <laughs> off, a, off a little pirouette in the lane over the top of, uh, you know, one of the best defensive fives in the world in, in Brooklyn. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it was one of those games where, you know, I guess the shots were falling. Uh, You're playing a very good team in Milwaukee. 
don't know if you mentioned this at the top of the recording or not, but like you said, they were not at full health per se. Uh, they did not have Middleton, but regardless, to come out and take the lead so quickly in the first quarter, I think they scored 50-some points. Was it? Yeah. Was it, is that something like yeah, that was, in the first quarter? Yes, it was. Yes. I think, um, I think it's Rozier. Someone scores right at the end of the first quarter to put them above the above the 50-point mark. Again, against... You know, one of the best defenses, the top five defense in the NBA, too. No Gordon Hayward for the Hornets in this game either. So, uh, but for the most part, you know, it was a healthy LaMelo game, Cody Martin. Um, and, and this was also, I guess, no Nick Richards either because Mark Williams was in the, the backup five minutes in this matchup. Yeah. Whenever I see Cody Martin in these highlights, I'm like, are we in the right year? Are we in the right season? <laughs> yeah. You're like looking around to see if uh, Bismack Biombo is on the court too yeah, right. or something like right. that. Yeah. All right. The second clip that we have queued up here uh, is a defensive clip that turns into offense. Uh, this mm-hmm. is, again, early in the first quarter. A lot of these highlights will come in the first two quarters just because that's where most of uh, Rozier's plays came from. So what you're seeing here as I pause it, Plumley and PJ are doubling near the logo. And that obviously leaves somebody open, and there's Lopez down there on the block. And actually, Lamelo does a good job of kind of defending two people in space mm-hmm. here, having you know an extra guy near him. Uh, you almost wonder if... They could have done a little bit better, the Bucks that is, to kind of space things out. Uh, but he is able to guard two players at once. And you've also got Rozier on Drew Holiday. I do want to watch him as this transition play does occur. And so once when the pass is made, LaMelo is able to get the deflection, the steal. And then Rozier here has already created so much ground on his man, Drew Holiday, that Drew Holiday is not going to be able to guard him in transition. Now you've got Giannis right here that's that's defending Rozier, which is obviously uh, another height mismatch. But I just like the way that Rozier not only anticipates the transition play, and you see the gap that he creates with his man Drew Holiday, but just his aggression and grabbing this ball and, and getting to the rim. I'm surprised that Giannis wasn't able to, I guess, affect this shot a little bit more mm-hmm. at the very least. But you know. He's going to get a bucket here or a foul, which he gets a bucket. Uh, just the aggression there by Terry Rozier. I'm, I'm surprised he attacked Giannis so aggressively and, and so assertively there. Yeah, it almost feels like this could have been just like a Terry Rozier catch and shoot three off the hit ahead from Lamella. Yeah. But a couple of things that that jump out to me before we circle back to Rozier. The first is like we've talked, how much have we talked over, you know, even before the 2020 draft about Lamella's defensive anticipation, his feel? And that's been that's been probably the best part of his defense, which has been you know much maligned in certain respects since he got to the NBA. But some of the stuff he's done very well has been this kind of stuff, like when the Hornets are trapping, or in, in this case, sort of like a, a kind of a junk defense. Something that they did. This is another thing I want to bring up. I think they did this against Luca later in the season when they had that like two game stretch where they basically ended Dallas's season where they were just putting two on the ball, um, even without a scheme or a screen could arrive. And here, yeah, the Hornets were doing this. If Giannis was initiating, the Hornets were going to have, you know, PJ was guarding him, and they were going to send Mason Plumley, the tallest guy on the court, uh, out there to be Elper. And then you put LaMelo in that free safety role here. So, you know, a couple couple interesting things going on. Again, sort of like a a joke defense that Steve Clifford used on more than one occasion this season to 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 try to like neutralize a really big time star player, like you know one of the best you know five players in the world or whatever with Giannis and Luca 
Um, and then again, just like LaMelo with his free safety, the feel for the game, his anticipation. And then like, it's not like this is like an amazing hit ahead pass that LaMelo has to Terry Rozier, but it's part of his DNA to go ahead and get that ball up, get it going quickly. And um, I think, you know, as you sort of pointed out, Richie, if you're again, if you have the video up, like the Bucks aren't in bad defensive position necessarily. Like Giannis is like, seems to have a decent, you know, somewhat of an angle and like he's a step, you know, further deeper in the court than Rozier. But, um, but Terry's makes a nice, you know, aggressive move to, to get downhill. But I just think LaMelo's hit ahead pass does a nice job sort of like pushing them into this look. And that's something the Hornets missed a lot last season with LaMelo missing so many games. He's just the, the quick strike transition secondary offense that comes simply because of this guy's, um, like genius and stylistic preferences with playing the game. Yeah. We missed that last year, uh, or at least in certain points because he was injured for a good chunk of that. So again, early offense here puts the Hornets up nine, six, and we will get on with clip number three. After we watch this one more time through, uh, the third clip is also going to be coming, uh, early in the first quarter. The Hornets are up 14 to eight. We'll let it play one time through. And I believe you had an extended clip, not only prior to this, but also after this. So there is like a two-way aspect to this clip. Uh, I, I'm, not only, I'm only showing the offensive side to this, but uh, if you're watching on the screen here, it starts, well, it doesn't start, but it starts with an Iverson cut, uh, but we end up on the left side of the court with the ball in Rozier's hand, and we have like a little angled ball screen, empty side. And, and Brian, I guess... We probably should explain this to the listeners and the watchers. What is a empty ball screen and what may what maybe are the benefits of doing something like this? Because it seems like it's becoming more prevalent. I think it it seems pretty self-explanatory. Uh, an empty ball screen, as you can see, there's nobody on this side of the court other than the ball handler and the, the screener. So there's that that is unoccupied, that corner right there. But what do you think is like a benefit of setting a empty ball screen? Yeah, you'll also notice like Jalen McDaniels, he starts the possession in the left corner. And then when Rozier cuts across the two Iverson screens from Plumlee and PJ, uh, McDaniels clears from the left corner to the right corner. So emptying that corner out, empty side, empty corner, same same vocabulary basically means there's not another you know off ball player spotting up on that side of the court either in the corner or in the wing or chilling in the dunker spot which would obviously be like a, a if you had someone in the, the post on that side that would be sort of like a spacing you know snafu too but um what it does is, is it changes up help responsibilities you know as pj sets the screen and then pops there's no one there to help, right? Like he is, he is, he is wide. He's he's open. There's no sort of like natural help defender. Same case if he if he rolls to the basket there, there's someone to te- to bump him, right? Um, and so if the Bucks want to uh, have Giannis in the drop, like not only did they put Lopez in the drop, but they've got Giannis in the drop too. Yeah, yeah. So you can see like when Rozier comes off the screen, he could shoot the jumper. But because PJ is such a good, you know, uh, pick and pop shooter, and has been for several years now, this is a really good action to run at Milwaukee, especially with an empty corner, because they're going to have Giannis in the paint. This is before the, the Bucks sort of adjusted their scheme uh, for the Ordits. They're going to have him in the drop, and then there's no other help defender. So when PJ pops or slips out, and he catches this with a ton of with a ton of space, 
Um, and again, the, the strength of the empty side is that it allows you to pick at pick and roll coverages with different help responsibilities. Um, and in some cases, there just aren't there isn't going to be a natural help defender in the area, and so you can just very functionally go into clean looks like that. Like that's a really good action for the Hornets. With again, Rozier comes across. I think this maybe had been an after timeout play call. But yeah, it was actually. They they drew this up. Like this was Steve Clifford called this in the timeout. They come out. Rozier comes across the Iverson screens. Uh, PJ comes from the right elbow over, sets the the ball screen on uh, Grace Allen there. Then he just yes yeah, slips out to the uh, to the corner here. So this is good action. It's something they've run a lot. Like I mean, with Rozier with PJ. Um, not just this season, even going back to like the James Borrego era. And yeah, those empty corner screens, I mean, everyone, not like that's even like a, a new convention, but as the league and as basketball continues to sort of like try to find not just like, not just, not just like more pick and roll dependent, but like how they can, how they can use pick and roll and still be like versatile and still find ways to like bust up a scheme. Um, empty side is something that allows you to do that. I've actually been watching a lot of, um, randomly been watching a lot of like Arizona, University of Arizona, uh, film from this past season. And that's something, I mean, again, not like this is anything revolutionary, but like the Arizona Wildcats, it's a, it's a ton of empty side screens too. Same sort of thing. So it's not just the NBA. This is WNBA. This is college basketball. Like teams want to find these empty side looks. And try to see if they can use that to create basically little like pockets of space as the Hornets do here. Yeah, it's all about the space that's created. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I know I don't have the clip as long as you did on Twitter, and we can talk about what happens after the play as well. But uh, one thing I did notice on this play, or a couple things, Obviously, you talked about how both Giannis and Lopez are kind of lurking here in the paint, and Allen, as he is fighting over the top of the screen here, you know, is trailing Rozier. So Rozier maybe potentially could take the shot because they are kind of dropped a little bit, but you've yeah. got three players in the general vicinity of Rozier. Now, one thing that I did notice, which will actually come into play a couple clips down the line, is the screen that Plumley sets for lamello up there kind of like a little flare, flare screen up yeah there. and again with with lopez drop like lamello could be open for a for a, for a for like a you know off flare screen three on the right side of the court again this was like really nice action by really simple but like conceptually perfect to go at the bucks with two different guys in drop like 
you just don't see that uh, all that much in the NBA. Like the Bucks are 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 really unique in that regard. I do kind of wonder, like maybe they should just switch these things. And I mean, I guess like you, in, if you switch this, you're gonna have Grayson Allen guarding PJ, and like if the Hornets wanted, they could try to post that up or isolate yeah. that. It's, you know, it's something that they will do some with PJ, but it's not like a go-to thing, and it's not like you know throwing the ball into you know, Joel and B the mismatch, you know, uh, to post up. So when they decide to guard these screens like this, it doesn't, you know, it's going to leave some stuff open. The hope is that like Rozier just takes like a mid rates jumper. Um, and instead they give up, uh, you know, a catch and shoot three from the corners. Not, not ideal. Yeah. So I, I did notice the little flare screen. I thought that was going to be an option or I'm, I'm sure it was an option, but uh, I think he just took the simple play mm-hmm. and I, one thing i did notice i don't know if this was intentional or not but the way that rosier passes the ball to pj it kind of is away from him yeah and it creates a little bit more of that extra space <laughs> that Giannis has to close out so i don't know if that was a bad pass <laughs> he's gonna claim oh no i did that intentionally to get pj drifting a little bit farther away from the contest yeah and he's able to uh drill that corner three so do you remember what happens directly after this play wasn't there a, a steal on the opposite yeah, end well the the play right after this is the the bucks come down and they actually go empty side pick and roll i think it's empty side pick and roll um with Giannis, and i can't remember who the ball handler is uh, i think it's maybe is it Connaughton? But they run that at uh, at PJ. So PJ's the screen defender because Giannis is the one screening and diving. Um, and PJ doesn't switch either. He actually, he sort of like drops a little bit, which is something you, the Hornets do that, but it's not, it's probably not like a go-to coverage. This is where you see them having to adjust for Giannis. But PJ gets a steal, he hits it ahead, and then Rozier hits a three. And so it's those two guys sort of connecting you know, and flipping roles from passer to shooter uh, within a span of what amounts to a couple of seconds. And it does, again, it speaks to PJ's two-way versatility. Like having this, not just like a, a spacer um, at, at your four spot, because pretty much everyone has that now, but PJ being a guy that could shoot off movement, like he's able to adjust to that rosier pass and, and you know, slide to his left, catch it, and then shoot it over the top of Giannis. And then a second later, he gets into drop pick and roll coverage on an empty side. He gets steal and then he quickly hits it ahead to Rozier. PJ's a really good basketball player. Um, and, and again, I, I think this game is fun because to talk about uh, because the Bucks are they're different, you know. Um, until yeah. sort of Charlotte, I think busted them up a little bit and got them into some of their you know secondary concepts defensively. So I may embed that that video clip post-production to highlight what Brian was talking about. And I actually, in these seven clips that I have for Rozier, which I think leads to the three-point shot, I don't think I have many three-point shots <laughs> available uh, in these seven clips. I just thought some of the better ones were just uh, inside the arc. But anyway, mm-hmm. clip four here, I'm going to go ahead and play. Uh, Charlotte is up 38-17 <laughs> in the first quarter still. Let it play one time through. And we'll talk about it. So uh, that was clip number four of seven. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of bodies here, a lot of bodies in this p- particular area. I'm not sure if Rozier is supposed to set a screen for McDaniels here. The spacing is kind of bunched up, but it does leave Rozier with a little bit of a DHO. Uh, and this whole side is just completely cleared out. Uh, you know, if Plumlee wants to roll into that space. That's probably the best move there. Um, after the DHO, 
He's got three or four bucks kind of in the vicinity of him. A very good defender on his back, and he keeps Carter there for the most part as he kind of snakes his way towards the paint and really hits a tough floater over Giannis. A lot of uh, Giannis contest in these clips. One thing that I do uh, just want to note, again, it could have been, I don't know if it was purposeful, but just he takes a little bit of a dribble to his right sideways before rising. And I'll try to pause it at the point, but it's going to be very difficult just because it's moving. Uh, yeah, well, he, he goes sideways before he goes up uh, <laughs> because I don't think he wants to go body to body with Giannis. But Rozier, in his seasons with Charlotte, there have been some down years where he had uh, in the in-between game, but there have been several years where he has hit the floater in the mid-range shot, and it feels like this game highlights some of his better yeah. opportunities in this area. For sure, with the drop. I mean, these are ultimate, like this possession, like this is the shot that like Milwaukee wants to force teams to take, right? Like, this is Javon Carter stuffing Rozier into a phone booth with Giannis. Just Rozier is a, a talented shot maker, and he makes a good look. Um, again, this was sort of an outlier game for the Hornets. This was literally uh, their most efficient offensive game of the season. They scored almost 1.4 points per possession you know, on the road uh, against Milwaukee here. And yeah, you can see a different defensive look. This is, you know, Giannis as the defensive five, Bobby Portis, who's a who's a really nice, you know, reserve four or five, you know, hybrid big guy for the for the box he's in instead of Lopez. You know, uh, no Drew Holiday, but Javon Carter, as you as you noted, is an excellent point of attack defender, excellent screen navigator. I mean, they they this is a just a really tough shot. Like I think ultimately, like in terms of process, that's told like that's exactly what Milwaukee wants to do. Like, this is an inefficient shot with a good contest. From one of the best rim protectors in the world. Look at Giannis, man, just getting, you know, he's so low and explosive in, in that stance. But, but Terry, uh, like the one of the other things too I, that I did want to mention with this clip, we have talked about Rozier obviously a lot the last four years. And, you know, I have been, I think, pretty critical of some of his like pick and roll, playmaking, scoring, decision making, like wherever that lands up. The one thing I have always noted is that, like, I think he's best in these sort of like ball screen attack situations when he's able to come off a handoff and catch like this. Yeah. Um. It you know he and Plumlee had like pretty good chemistry in a few different directions past season, including like Rozier got a lot of like you know cut buckets off Plumlee at the elbow or Plumlee you know initiating on the break or whatever. Um, and Plumlee's, you know, a guy that can, that you can do some dribble head off offense through at the elbow. Um, and, you know, Razier found some, you know, some sources of offense with that last season. Uh, clip number five, I'll go ahead and talk about it as we get to that point. Uh, Hornets are up 68 45 in the second quarter. And if you're watching on YouTube, here it comes. I do like the setup of this play, and, and we'll talk about it after it comes through. I'll pause it. And as, as we see, Rozier is actually taking the ball up the court. You got Plumlee setting the down screen there for LaMelo. And then Rozier gets the ball out of his hands into LaMelo. And now this is where the flare screen comes into play. I think I mentioned this on clip three. Uh, you've got the flare screen for Rozier. And maybe you want to get a three-point shot after this, but he kind of drifts into inside the arc. And obviously the pass takes him there, and he makes that tough shot. And at the same time, I wanted to make a mention of this, if I can rewind it. JT Thor in that corner over there, Brian, 
by design or if it's just instinct, he's getting out of that corner. So that leaves more space for Rozier to catch and shoot this. And I think a lot of the movement stuff that we see with Rozier, a lot of it comes behind the arc. But just a note on this play, you're seeing some of the same movement stuff, the off-ball stuff, and getting open. It just happens to be inside the arc where he hits this baseline jumper to put the Hornets up 70-45 to uh, with about halfway to go through the second quarter. So he's always been a good movement guy. Oh, it yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. A lot of it just seems to be outside the arc, but this one is inside the arc. For sure. I mean, he that's been the thing he's done best in Charlotte has been his transition from it is kind of funny that they acquired him to like be the be the Kemba replacement at point guard. And that pretty quickly became Devontae Graham and then it became, you know, Lamello. But Rozier, something that they found under James Borrego, um, and that was, you know, part of the offense when it couldn't be this past season, it's just how good Rozier is, right? screening actions like he's a he is he has been an elite movement shooter uh for about three or four years now um and, and really when the hornets were at their best offensively during the lamello era it's been with like rosier you know really cooking uh coming off pin downs and flares and all the creative you know baseline runner floppy action stuff that Breco used to run um a couple things here uh, once again, Lopez, think about what I said earlier with the Hornets finding different ways to attack the Bucks in drop coverage. Like all these half court possessions for Rozier have been some form of that, right? Think about the Iverson screen, PJ then popping into space. Um, and here with, with Terry coming off this flare screen, like, yes, he does catch it, you know, inside the R, but look where Lopez is. Like, so it's forcing, it's forcing a guy. I think it's Grayson Allen there too. It's forcing him to fight yep. over the flare screen because there's no other help. Like he's he's on an island to defend this because Pete could be in part because JT Thor has cleared out and has dragged Giannis from one side of the lane to the other and freed up a side for for Ozier there. So again, they're attacking the space of the drop coverage. And they used um a couple different flare screen concepts for Rozier in this in this game. They had another one too where they would they would flash plumbly to like the left elbow and then Rozier would enter the ball to him and then he would cut off a flare screen from one of the wings or one of the guards. Uh so same same I mean it looks different, but it's the same thing. It's Rozier coming off of a flare to try to attack, you know, probably like Giannis in space or maybe it was Portis, but just again trying to like find ways to to go at the the drop space there. And then one of the other things too is like this play, like if you would Pause it there. Like what the Hornets like to do a lot, and they do this mostly for Gordon Hayward, but without Hayward in this game, and with Lamelo and Rozier, you can see them just like essentially letting Lamelo start the possession off ball, and then quickly transitioning to him on the basketball. But usually, when they have this little, uh, like the plumly setting this like almost elbow pin down for Lamelo, um, usually it's for Hayward. That can be a catch and shoot. Often Hayward catches that ball and he come pops out beyond three point arc and then Plumlee or Mark Williams or Richards, they will usually go like chase and then they'll go set a ball screen for Lamella. Um, and instead he runs out to Rozier. Like, I feel like you could almost even see like Milwaukee, like getting ready to load up for pick and roll. And instead it's the Plumlee goes out to the other side and it's the, uh, it's the flare screen that they can go after. So that's a play that like, in terms of like mirroring and sequencing, it looks a lot like one of Charlotte's like go-to pick and roll possessions. 
And instead, it turns into a you know quick hitter flare for uh, Rozier to get a catch and shoot. Yeah, that's a good point about the Hayward stuff, how they use him in this type of action as well. And clip number six is going to be another assist. I think we had an assist earlier, and we're going to go ahead and let this play out in the third quarter. And there's the assist to Plumley. Now, Rozier finds himself fairly open on this play. It looks like uh, Drew Holiday. Empty corner pick and roll. Lamella yep. and uh, yep. Plumley too. Plumley. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, but that's kind of how the possession starts. And the kickout pass over here to Rozier. And you've got Drew, who is obviously closing out to him. And I think Rozier does the smart thing here in terms of attacking where Drew came from and topping, you know, attacking that top foot right there and getting back to the middle of the court. We talked about that one possession when we did Nick Smith Jr. about you know preventing players from getting into the middle of the court because it does collapse the defense. And he's able to get past Drew, obviously a very, very good defender. And, you know, nothing spectacular about this play, but this is a nice little wraparound pass to Plumley. You know, it's not something that Rozier is known for. He's not this awesome playmaker, but yeah. he makes a couple of smart decisions here in terms of attacking Drew in terms of where he came from and then just not forcing that shot and getting that pass off to Plumley. So this is not necessarily something that you think of when you think of Rozier, but definitely something to highlight uh, because this did show up in the game. Yeah, I mean... One again, the importance of Lamelo being able to be the guy that's like kickstarting the the action with with some with pick and roll here and, and getting uh, creating uh, maybe a little bit of advantage. I would chart this as like a defensive breakdown for, for Holiday too. Like it's a, it's a nice like catch and go maneuver, but like Rozier, I mean he he's having to like it's not a great pass from Lamelo. Like he's got to you know sort of like stop you know one handed on a pass that's a little bit behind him, and even then he's able to still just like immediately glide by um uh, you know drew holiday so it's not a great defensive possession by drew but it's still a really nice play by rosier he's able to get um brooke lopez and, and, and you know an excellent rim protector off the floor and he does a really nice job uh, on this little catch and go to, to set up to set up mason Plumley for for a finish at the uh at the rim wow it's really and give credit to Lopez for trying to like second jump and, and block the shot. It's nice. It's really good effort on his part. But um, just again, Terry did just enough to, to get him released into the air um, and it'll allow Plumley to, to finish that. Yep. All right. Final clip here. And uh, this is a baseline inbounds play where uh, it gets inbounded to Plumley. And it looks like that's Grayson Allen who is uh, top siding. Rozier trying to prevent him from getting the pass, the DHO in this situation. Uh, and he knows, I guess he should know, that there's a lot of help on the baseline. So if Rozier does take advantage of the space, quote-unquote space, he's not really going to create any space because there's a ton of bucks down there on the baseline. So uh, he does shake him uh, in terms of trying to get the ball, and he's able to get the DHO. This is nothing more to me than just going and making a play. Uh, he gets his body into Grayson Allen, uh, right there, does a little spin, uh, fades away, hits a tough shot. Uh, we've talked about this on a previous clip. He's just able to make some tough shots in the mid-range sometimes and, and uses his body to create space. I don't know if there's another option here, Brian. Like, Could he have done something different? I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe, maybe there's... Maybe like Portis helps a little bit at like the nail area. Yeah. So like maybe you, maybe you could try to kick it to PJ for, right. for a catch-and-shoot three. But Portis does. Portis doesn't like fully commit. It's not like super duper. Because I mean, 
I think it's worth pointing out on all of the, on pretty much all of these clips, like LaMelo and PJ are on the court too. Uh, and I mean, obviously they, they played together a lot. I mean, I guess Plumlee is as well, but then, and certainly those, those guys played together a lot in this game and, and Rozier was just on a heater shooting, hitting some really tough shots, including this possession. But like having those guys, having LaMelo to get the possession started, you know, with pick and roll or be the, make a connecting pass or a hit ahead in transition and just like, Again, I think PJ's uh, spacing, um, keeping the paint a little less cluttered with maybe some early help on this possession. It's Portis, but on other times it could have been someone like uh, uh, like Giannis. Yeah, that, that was the only thing that I noted too. Like, could he have done something differently? I, I did take down in the notes a pass to PJ. Portis really has it covered, though. I, I feel like he just shows just briefly but he's able to probably recover to any kind of pass but i think i mean on three on three of these clips we've shown that were like the little like you know mid-range paint shots that rosier hit i think the bucks covered all of them well like the one in transition where he's cross-matched on lopez and then a few of these other ones too like the the one with javon carter in rearview pursuit uh with Giannis with in drop and with a good contest like Look, they had a role in that night. Terry is a good shot maker. It's why he's made a lot of money and why he will continue to make a lot of money because the, the guy can really, he's like, maybe, maybe, maybe you would, some people would gripe with this adjective, but like, he's a pretty special shot maker. You know, when he gets hot, which maybe we didn't see as much last season as we have in years past, um, you know, he can, he can, he can take your scheme and to quote Steve Joe's from the Dunker spot, he can take your scheme and, throw it over the top rope, which is like kind of kind of what Rozier uh, and, and PJ really and Flamelo to an extent really did in this game. I had some some numbers with Rozier. Do you have anything else you'd like to maybe talk about with these clips? Because I actually have some stuff numbers-wise that I think can kind of explain why he had efficiency-wise like, you know, a, a bit of a down year last season. No, in terms of the clips, no. I mean, yeah. I, we can probably end on a short conversation here about Rozier, yeah. but yeah, I would to hear what you have to say there. So again, you know, last season for Rozier, he jumps in both assist rate and uh and usage rate. I mean, he was above 27% usage. And again, injuries played a role. No Miles Bridges, injuries to Lamelo, Gordon Hayward, Dennis Smith Jr. missed time. Um so it set up a season for Rozier to be able to like use a lot of possessions, play a lot of minutes, but it was gonna it was almost certainly very predictable that it was going to cause a dip in his efficiency. And in part, it would also, it was also going to alter his, his selection of shots. And that was going to be related in a way to him not being as efficient as he has in years past. So the numbers that really jumps out for me is last season, Rozier 3.5 catch and shoot three point attempts per game uh, was less than 19% of his total field goal attempts. Um, and he attempted 4.3 pull-up three-pointers per game. That was over 23% of his field goal attempts. Um, the ratio can't be that for Charlotte or for Rozier, right? He can't shoot. A, a greater percent of his shots can't be pull-ups. They have to be catch-and-shoots. Like, it, something is something is failing. In the last season, it was a not very good roster and a lot of injuries. But, but something yeah. there like that, that's there's a bug in the system that's causing that right like that that's not how by design it's not supposed to work like that um when you compare it to years past two seasons ago in 2021 uh 2022 
uh, 5.5 catch and shoot three point attempts per game. That was 34 and a half percent of his field goal attempts. So from two seasons ago, over a third of his field goal attempts are catch and shoot threes, right? Almost 35%. One year later, under 19%. So it goes from being one in over one in three to the one year later being less than one out of five. Um, two seasons ago, also, um, 2.5 three pull up three point attempts or off dribble three point attempts per game, uh, less than 16% of his total field goal attempts. So that was 16% two seasons ago and it jumped up to 23.2% this past year. Um, in the 2020 2021 season, 5.4 three point attempts per game off the catch, that was 33% of his field goal attempts. Again, like a third of his shot attempts. Um, that year he averaged 2.8 three point attempts per game off the dribble under 17% of his three-point attempts. That's the year he really, really started to like chuck from deep as like a movement shooter. That's like LaMelo shows up. It's rookie year LaMelo. Um, they've got Haywards now in town. It was a, you know, probably, you know, Monk's best year handling the ball. Devontae Graham is still there and it really, really mm-hmm. let Terry settle into run off screens, catch and shoot, then use that gravity to open other stuff up. And then his first year, in Charlotte, 3.7 three-point attempts per game off the catch. That was 25% of his field goal attempts um, that year. 3.9 three-point attempts per game off the dribble. Um, that was uh, yeah, 19.9% of total field goal attempts. Um, and then the other thing I would uh, mention just, just very quickly here, because Rozier was having to play on the ball more last year, both as like a backup point guard or some nights like a primary initiator for the Hornets. Um, Last season, 35.7 minutes per game. That's a career high for him since he got to Charlotte. Um, 75.2 touches per game. That a career high since he got to Charlotte. Uh, Time of possession, 5.8 minutes per game. That's a career high with him in Charlotte. 4.6 seconds per touch, career high in Charlotte. And 4.2 dribbles per touch. Uh, again, a career high in Charlotte. And comparing that to, say, two seasons ago, the 2020-2021 season, Rozier, 34.5 minutes per game. So, you know, about a minute less per game. So you got to factor that in. But only 65.6 touches, so nearly 10 viewer touches per game. Uh, time of possession, 3.7 minutes. So two minutes down from where he was this past season, 3.4 seconds per touch. Um, and again, this past season, he was 4.6. So um, a full second, over a full second less per touch on average. In that year, 2.9 dribbles per touch. And again, that was 4.2 dribbles per touch this season. So again, you can see his role really got busted up. I mean, we talked a lot preseason about how LaMelo's role was probably going to change without Bridges. And I think you can make that. That certainly happened. But I think you can make a case that Rozier also really, really had to alter things without Bridges. And then certainly like with all the time that LaMelo too, because like all of a sudden he like he and DSJ and Teo Maldon, like those guys really had to sort of like step up in terms of ball handlers uh, for this roster. No surprise. Uh, the Hornets weren't a very good offensive team. In these years when Rozier was in that that very refined like movement shooting role, I mean they were they were top six offense two years ago. Um, 
So anyways, I just thought those numbers were a little interesting for uh, for Rozier. I think that's the one thing that I have to sit back and think about with Rozier when I do evaluate his uh, most recent campaign last season is just the, the different role that he had to play. And with him playing more of that point guard position, you saw him do things that were a little bit out of his element. You know, obviously he's going to ball handle, you know, handle the ball a little bit more frequently. He's going to run pick and roll a little bit more frequently. He's going to get downhill a little bit more frequently. And he's a guy that is not necessarily going to create a ton of points by doing that type of stuff. And, to your point, he is way better suited to play off-ball, movement type of stuff, catch and shoot. The pull-up stuff is just not a part of his game. Mm-hmm. And we saw it way too frequently last year, not because he was, you know, doing it on his own and, you know, just trying to take the ball up the court on his own. Like he was put in a position to where he was playing the point guard position all too frequently because of injury. So that's one thing that we do got to consider uh, in terms of how you evaluate Rozier. But you know, that also says that he's a very, I wouldn't say a limited player, but he's definitely pigeonholed into to a type of role that you like to see. And yeah, he was affected tremendously from uh, LaMelo Ball's absence. So if LaMelo Ball is going to be playing 70 to 82 games a year, you're going to see the best Rozier. If he's going to be playing 40 to 50 games, uh, Rozier's efficiency, his impact goes down tremendously. But the funny thing was about this specific game, you saw a lot of the on-ball stuff and, mm-hmm. and how he was able to produce inside the arc, which is totally out of character, even with LaMelo uh, in the game especially. So that is all I have to say. You said it perfectly, and, and those um, those numbers definitely highlight how he played last season. Uh, funny thing, Brian, you mentioned Steve Jones. I was actually talking to him the other day about the most recent uh, video podcast that we put out on Nick Smith Jr., and I wanted to see if he uh, could give some feedback, and he actually said that he enjoyed the content, um, and so that we got we got his stamp of approval, so that, that's good stuff. Steve Jones it is uh, one of the best analysts covering the game of basketball at both the NBA and the WNBA. If you like this pod and don't listen to the dunker spot, um, I would strongly recommend that you do it. I think you'll like it a lot. Uh, it would be, it would be up your alley. Like if you're into the sort of the the analytical part of the game and talking about concepts and schemes and, and that type of stuff. And Steve is also just like a very nice person, too. Um, uh, one of the things that really shines through. When you listen to the Ducker spot, is the while he and Nikaias Duncan are both like good analysts of basketball, they're also like the humanity of that podcast really does shine through. So, uh, as Steve would say, salute to those guys. I will look forward to they put out a new episode today, so I'll probably be listening to that uh, when I'm exercising later. But glad Steve dug the content. That's a high seal of approval there. And you can follow him on Twitter at Steve Jones Twenty. Uh, Thanks again, guys, for listening to another episode. Be sure to share this with a friend. Support us in any way possible. The easiest way to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating. Apple allows the reviews. We like those as well. For Brian, I'm Richie. We'll talk to you guys later. Take care.